The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. In the book of the Revelation, chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, there's a warning about adding to or taking from the book of this prophecy. What is the practical meaning of this passage? How should we apply it? And what is the pre-tribulation rapture position? Is it biblical? These are some of the questions and answers we will discuss today on Grace in Focus. Grace in Focus is the radio broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. We are delighted that you've joined us today. Find out more about us by looking us up at faithalone.org. We have some resources there, including some free ebooks. Hope you'll take a look at it and find out more about us at faithalone.org. Now with today's discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Philippe Sterling. Philippe, I believe you have a question there from Cooper. Yes, Cooper says that he's been concerned about the way someone could violate Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19. And let me read that and then finalize his question. Okay. The end of the book of Revelation, John, the apostle, says, I testify to everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. So Cooper's concern is that someone could somehow indicate a disagreement or taking away or adding to this, even by nonverbal type of indications, right. and thereby show that he is never a believer. Does he uh, say something about nonverbal? What does he uh, say? The way he says that even inadvertently to symbol or sign language in such a pattern that will be adding or taking away from the Bible, like flashing a gang sign inadvertently. Or, or I've seen people like where that. they say so-and-so was intentionally uh, giving some white supremacist mm-hmm. sign. It looks like okay or something. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is that some white supremacist thing? That's what I've heard, but I have no idea. I don't know. I'm I'm sheltered here. But what translation were you reading from? Now, this is a New American Standard. Okay. Uh, Now, the King James actually will say... Yeah, I have the New King James uh, here. It says, God shall take away his part from the book of life. uh First issue that I think we need to talk to Cooper about is... If he's a King James only person, he's reading Book of Life and thinking that's actually what God said. Yeah. So the Lamb's is, Book of Life earlier alluded to. If his name is not right. found in the Lamb's Book of Life, he'll be cast in the lake, lake of, of fire. fire. So that seems to be why Cooper is upset because he's saying, wait a minute, if you add or take away, then God's going to send you to the lake of fire. Well, the majority of manuscripts, the vast majority of manuscripts read Tree of Life here. That's why. Your New American Standard, of course, the New American Standard follows the critical text, which is based on a small number of older manuscripts. But in this case, the critical text and the majority text both read Tree of Life. And it's unfortunate that a few manuscripts from the Byzantine text type were used to translate the King James And in this particular case came up with a terrible reading because it's not Book of Life, it's Tree of Life. So that's number one. Number two, tree of life is all through the book of Revelation. Chapter two, I think it's uh, verse seven. And it's also in 22, or what is it, around verse 14, yeah. 
that they may have the right to the tree of life. Yes, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city, so special access limited to them into the new Jerusalem. Tree of life doesn't just appear in the book of Revelation. It starts in the book of Genesis, right? What was the tree of life in the book of Genesis? Some kind of a special experience of intimacy, I think. And that wasn't a forbidden fruit, right? The tree of life was acceptable fruit to eat. Yeah, so Adam and Eve may have very well eaten of the fruit. There's every indication that this tree of life in Revelation 22 and verse 19, it's the same species that existed in the Garden of Eden, right? And it's going to provide fullness of life and it's going to provide special blessings. And by the way, If you have the New King James, instead of God shall add, the majority manuscripts read, may God add. So it's more or less a desire that may God add these things. But notice, if anyone adds to the things written in the book of Revelation, and basically Cooper's talking about the whole Bible, don't you think we probably should focus on... In the context of the book of Revelation of this, it seems to be talking about this prophecy that was granted to John. Should we not also add to the other revelatory scripture or take away from it? Certainly not. But it seems that this particular statement is to the words of the prophecy of this book. Right. And it's got curses and it's got blessings. So if someone adds or takes away, then God's going to add plagues to this person and He's going to take away his part from the tree of life, his potential part from the tree of life. Well, a person has everlasting life whether they have access to the tree of life or not. So we don't need to be worried about accidentally moving my hand in such a way that sign language says I'm adding to the prophecies in the book of Revelation. I don't even need to worry that if I'm teaching something contrary to the book of Revelation— I am going to lose access to the tree of life. Nobody is a perfect teacher of the Bible, and I've taught through the book of Revelation before, and I believe I did a good job, but I am not confident that I'm absolutely nailed everything. Again, it will seem pointing to someone who deliberately rejects. By adding or taking away. By adding or by taking away. So an intentional rejection and not necessarily just a misunderstanding that can be corrected at some time. The Grace Evangelical Society has recently started an online seminary and we're preparing to start our second semester in February. You can study with some of the finest free grace professors and earn an MDiv degree in three years. There is no tuition if you maintain a 3.0 grade point average. It's time now for application and registration. Study the Bible, the biblical languages, and free grace theology with us. Find out more at faithalone.org slash seminary or gesseminary.org. So I would say you don't need to worry if you're accidentally going to somehow add or, or take away from the book of Revelation. You're not. It would need to be something that was intentional. And even then, the issue is not eternal destiny. The issue is eternal reward. In light of other scripture, like 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. 
if a person did this and then later repented of it and got back on track, they would still get the right to the tree of life. It yes. would have to be a person who died this way. Yes, it's how we end yeah. that matters. It's very important that we recognize that God wants to reward us. He wants to give us the right to the tree of life. It's not like he's looking for some way to trip us up. And that's what it sounds like Cooper's saying. Yes. All right. Do you have another question there? Okay. Dear Bob Wilkin, Uh is the pre-tribulation rapture biblical? Was it invented and popularized by John Nelson Darby? Who's that from? This is from Mary. Mary. Well, first of all, John Nelson Darby was definitely not the first person that taught the pre-trib rapture. Uh, The Apostle Paul taught the pre-trib rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. The Lord Jesus taught the pre-trib rapture in Matthew 24, verses 40 to about 44. Anne Hutchison, who was banned from the Massachusetts Bay Colony, she was teaching the pre-trib rapture around 1610 in there. She died in 1643. She was charged with antinomianism because she was saying it was simply by faith in Jesus that a person is born again, not by perseverance and good works. But she also was teaching the pre-trib rapture. And she had a brother-in-law, Samuel Hutchison, who died in 1667, and he was teaching the pre-trib rapture. And there are quotes. There were many people in the early 17th century who were teaching the pre-trib rapture. And I saw an article by Tommy Ice who said that pseudo-Ephraim, which was an apocryphal book, it wasn't really Ephraim that wrote it, was written somewhere between the 4th and the 7th century, and it has a clear statement of a pre-trib rapture. Yes, again, the pre-trib rapture group, study group, Rami Ice is the director of, has done a lot of research in that, and there's some recent books published that shows a continuity of belief from the 1st centuries, you know, to certainly Anne Hutchinson and others, and then to Nelson Darby and, and beyond. But, of course, ultimately for us, it's what... Do the scriptures teach? There are even types of the rapture in the Old Testament, right? Yes. Certainly with Enoch, he walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And perhaps even Elijah, taking up into the chariot of God, is an indication of being translated directly into his presence. In 1 Thessalonians 4, I was going to look at that. Verses 13 through 17, he says, For this we say... To you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the Latin word rapturo. That's where we get the word rapture. Will be caught up together which is with a translation of harpazo, harpazo the, the word that is actually used in the Greek, like harpoon. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So that's clear. And by the way, John Nelson Darby, most people say the year he started teaching about the pre-trib rapture was 1830. Well, Anne Hutchison, her brother-in-law, all these other people from the uh, early 17th century, all of those preceded him by more than 100 years. And then, of course, pseudo-Ephraim goes back to, say, the 5th, 6th century, and then you've got Paul and the Lord Jesus. So 
the scriptures are very clear on the pre-trib rapture, but a lot of people don't believe that because they're from a different tradition. And it's sad that they don't. Because it's something that gives us hope and comfort. Those of us who have lost, you know, know, that's part of our hope. A lot of people say 1 Thess 4, 13 to 18 is Mm. because people in the church at Thessalonica evidently were afraid that believers who died before the rapture would miss out on the millennium. Mm. So they'd be kept in the third heaven during the thousand-year millennium. And they were like, that's no, I don't like that. Well, of course you shouldn't like that because heaven's never been our destination. Heaven's just where we go if we happen to die before the rapture. But I'm like Bob Bryan who says, I hope I never go to heaven. (laughs) I want (laughs) to go directly to the air, meet the Lord, come Come with him to the Mount of Olives, be with him during the millennium, be with him on the new earth. And maybe I'll visit the third heaven. I don't know. Do we get visitation rights? I don't know. The sense of it is that the third heaven, the new heaven, and earth become one. So this is where the Shekinah glory of God will be, is on the new earth. Right. All right. Well, very good. And thanks so much for your questions, Cooper and Mary. And remember to keep grace. Keep grace in focus. invite you to check out our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday five-minute YouTube videos at YouTube Grace Evangelical Society. You will love the content and learn a lot. Maybe you've got a question or comment or feedback. If so, please send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. Please make sure your question is as succinct and clear as possible. That would be a great big help. On our next episode, John the Revelator mentions being in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What does he mean by the Lord's Day? Hope you'll join us for that discussion. And until then, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.